This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Francesa podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. All right, everybody. We've had a lot of people asking when we would do our Kentucky Derby analysis and whether Brad would be there. The answer is yes and yes. Uh, We will begin, though, with a couple of words on the Oaks on Friday, a good addition to the Oaks. Some very, very uh, good uh, females in this race, Uh, Nest and Kathleen O, uh, to name just a few. And Red Echo Zulu, the very quick Echo Zulu. So overall, good field, good race. What's your thoughts? It is a tremendous field. I think uh, Echo Zulu is uh, going to run a hard out, but won't be good enough at the distance. I look for her in the test at Saratoga later this summer. Uh, Kathleen O, who you mentioned, uh, I think might be a little vulnerable with her draw and at this distance. Uh, she met soft fields in Florida uh, was pace benefited uh, in those races. Uh, she'll get some pace here, but I'm wondering if she can quite match up with these going nine furlongs. I think she'll run a good race, but I like her better underneath. Nest is the horse to beat without a doubt. She showed her nine furlong prowess in the Demoiselle last year. Uh, had a wide trip, but a pretty good uh, setup in front of her in that race. Has run really well moving forward this year, but really beat soft fields. This field is going to be tougher. Uh, she's going to be a little bit more pace stung because she's tactical. I do think she's going to run really well, though, and you have to use her in exotics. Uh, the horse that I like, though, uh, is nostalgic. And, Mike, I'll tell you, if I could own any horse racing now in the world, it would be nostalgic. Wow. I love her pedigree. She's by McDagliadoro, a top-tier sire. Uh when I saw her race the first time, I said, there's something throwback about this filly. She has a big body, a really big frame, excellent bone. She moves differently from other horses, like those old school horses, big, powerful, bold stride. And then I looked at her pedigree. Now, the first few generations are good, not great. But I'm a big believer that depth and pedigree matters. And sometimes the generations skip the superstars, but they come back. Fourth dam of nostalgic is too bald. And too bald was the dam of Exceller, who was a monster horse on turf, on dirt, going a mile and a quarter, going a mile and a half. And that's where nostalgic gets her body from where she gets her stamina from. She's improved with every race. She's been very green uh, early in her career, uh, especially in the Demoiselle when she was rushed into that race and only her second start. She wasn't ready for that competition, but she showed she was going to fit once she developed. She's been much more professional in 2022, especially in the two dirt starts. They tried her on grass in Florida. I mean, why not? Exceller was a grass monster. Take a shot. She's not a grass horse, though. She's a dirt horse. I love the way she handled inside position in the gazelle last time. She's massive 
but she was able to hold her ground. She was in stop-start uh, mode. She made multiple moves, but she was always there when Jose Ortiz wanted her to be there. And then when it was time to come through, she hesitated for a little bit on the inside, but I think that was more a matter of she's just so big that she's not sure if she can get through. Uh, I don't think it was necessarily greenness per se, but once she got through, it was clear that she was dominant at that nine for a long distance. I, if this race was a mile and a quarter, I would completely empty my wallet. I don't think these horses could touch her at that distance. I do think, though, there's going to be enough pace in here that she's going to be able to get up at nine furlongs. And if the track comes up wet, well, that might be even better because you might recall that Jockey Club Gold Cup at the late 1970s, that classic epic race between Acceler and Seattle Slough. The greatest Seattle race Seattle Slough. Slough ever ran in defeat. Absolutely. The greatest race. Uh, went a mile with affirmed and then uh, finished off with Acceler in one of the most heroic performances of all time. That's what proved his greatness. A lot of people were doubting him because he beat a soft crop and everything as a three-year-old when he won the Triple Crown. Yep. But that was the race that showed he truly was great. And to get back to our original point, that race was on a wet racetrack. So wetness to uh, Friday at Churchill will not bother Nostalgic. I'm going to use her with, uh, with Nest as my prime play. I may even double-key them in exotics. I'll have Shahama, who might be anything, racing overseas, and Kathleen O in the gimmicks. But the horse I'm really going to try to slip in is Venti Valentine, who's the horse that Nostalgic beat last time uh, in the Gazelle. Uh, I think she's a bounce-back candidate. That was a second off a layoff race for a career best. I think she can move back forward here. She may not be quite as good as some of the other populists in here, but she could get the trip just off the speed. She's been training really well at Churchill. And uh, just a pedigree point, her sire firing line was an absolutely beautiful racehorse who, for whatever reason, hasn't gotten a great opportunity at stud. But he can produce a quality horse. He just was a great physical individual who had ability. Uh, Venti Valentine is a New York bred by him. And she has plenty of stamina on her damn side, too. So I could see her running a good race out of place. All right. Uh, Brad with Nostalgic, Nest, and then obviously the other pieces underneath. And what is a very, very good Oaks weather could be an issue. There is a lot of rain in the area uh, for Thursday, uh, th Thursday through Saturday, uh, especially Friday and Saturday. So we could very much get a wet racetrack or a drying racetrack at Churchill Downs for either day. That's very possible. Now to the Derby. It's a tough Derby, folks, because for the last year we've touted that we had a horse that we expected to be here in High Oak. We all know the uh, terrible fall he took in the Fountain of Youth, uh, and we have been very cautious with him. Uh, if you're asking, and a lot of people have what our plans are with High Oak, our first plan was to run him on the undercard here and then try to race to the Preakness. We thought that was ambitious considering the fall. He did not suffer any real injuries out of the fall, but we're just trying to be cautious with him and give him time to get back to being himself. So our plan now is to tackle the second half of the year. We're looking at a race at Belmont, uh, you know, in probably late June, early July, then the Jim Dandy, and then the Travers. That is our plan with High Oak, and if we're right about him, he'll be a forward factor in those races. It's very sad for me not to be in these races now. Uh, Derby was our, our plan for a year. 
uh, we suffered, you know, we had a very tough break. Uh, luckily the horse did not get killed that day. Um, uh, ironically, there are horses that were in that race that are here, but here's the other. So high Oaks not here, which we had talked about here is Baffitt is here. The idea that Baffitt's not here is ridiculous. Baffitt has two horses in this race trained by another trainer in Tim Yachtin, who Baffitt was training the two horses a month ago. So they are here really under Baffitt tutelage, even though Baffitt isn't here. The shadow, the uh, casting the great shadow of Baffitt is here with two very legitimate horses, including one who will try to show a horse that I think is the most talented horse in the race, who has only had two lifetime starts, who broke his maiden on the day I was in Florida at the Fountain of Youth in California. And I watched him on TV and said, we're going to see that horse again. And that horse is here off two races. So, Brad, how about the idea of Baffert really being here in presence? Well, the thing is, the Baffert machine is an entire operation. And these horses are such fantastic distance dirt horses in high-quality events because they practice and train for it from the time they're purchased, uh, from the time they're broken, from the time they're first working out as two-year-olds. These horses work in company at the training centers with other top-quality horses who are going to Baffert, and that's where they establish the pecking order, that's where they learn their lessons. That's where they get their toughness. And once they get to Baffert, they again work in company even more intensely, and they do so against other really top horses. Now, other trainers, Chad Brown, Brad Cox, uh, Todd Pletcher, they work and drill their horses a lot too, but they don't drill them as quickly as Baffert does, and they don't make the competition in the morning as cutthroat competitive as Baffert does. And that's what makes these horses so incredibly racing fit and so tough. And like you said, the Baffert operation, both before they get to Baffert and both and when they do come to Baffert, is present here because both Messier and Teva had that work done by the Baffert machine. Now, I will say this about Teva. I do think that if Baffert was actually training Teva in the last month, this horse would have been trained differently. And I agree with you 100% that he is the most talented horse in this race. In fact, we spoke the day after his debut and we yeah. talked about him. Uh, he reminds me of a little easygoer. He's about half easygoer size, but he strides very much like him. Low slung, shoulder, powerful front shoulder really really powerful the stride is shoulder driven looks a lot like easy goer in that way just a smaller version but this horse was rushed to get to where he is after he won that no long race no question he came he ran right. off the page and they said wow so now they rush him into the san anita derby which was set up for messier who was his stable mate and he dusts off his stable mate in the stretch and they're 10 lengths ahead of the rest of the field. Messier was very hard used in that race, uh, battling a very high-quality sprinter miler trained by Richard Mandelo. And Taba was able to sit off of that duel, so that advantaged him. But still, with the difference in seasoning between those two horses, the fact that when they hooked in mid-stretch and Taba just found another gear to blow by the more experienced Messier and clearly proved his superiority. I think he proved that whether there was 
the pace was the way it was or not. Uh, he was he was tremendous, uh, and his stride was efficient and powerful to the very end, which was amazing for a horse doing that stretching from six to nine furlongs only a second lifetime start. But after that six furlong race, he was walked back to the winner's circle because he reportedly was tired, and John Velasquez, who rode him that day, wanted to make sure everything was fine. After the Santa Anita Derby, he did not work for 19 days, which is a lot for horses getting ready for the Derby, especially one with only two races of actual racing foundation. He's worked twice after that 19 days. The work two back, the longer one, was not a good work. He was absolutely all out to beat a second-rate rival. Now, what I would say is if Baffert had actually trained Taba, I think he would have worked three times. I think he would have worked a week before his first work back in the Santonia Derby. Baffert might have recognized that maybe this horse was a little tired, a little worn by that effort, but he would have said, I need to see exactly where I'm at with him. And he would have worked them and he would have been able to make a judgment moving forward. But then that next work back would have been absolutely all out work. It would have been, I need to see you with your derby face on. And he would have said, he would have, that would have been a hard work. He would have wanted him to rip the face off of that older horse who we worked with uh, that day. And if he did not deliver in that second work, then I'm saying Baffert would not run him in the derby. I think Tapa is being finessed to make the derby. You don't not work for 19 days as the horse with only two starts after the Santonia Derby. So do you think work, Baffert work. would have brought Tabor to the Derby or not? I, 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 th- I think he would have done whatever he needs to do to get that horse to recover from the Santonia Derby. He would have worked them at least three times, not two times. If he got what he wanted out of the work a week ago, he would have come to the Derby. If he was able to get him to where he wanted him to be, if he, meaning good enough to win the Derby. I don't think that that work of Tabas a week ago is a good enough work for him to win the Derby, as talented as he is. I think he's being finessed to make this race. He did not come out of the Santina Derby, you know, rip-roaring with energy. I think he's being finessed, and I don't think you win the Derby when you're finessing your training, especially when you only have two Well, what, what tells you that you are probably accurate as usual is Velasquez had his choice of either horse and took Messier. So he rode Messier in the Santa Anita Derby. He got beat by Tabor there. I'm sure a lot of people second-guessed his call. Uh, but he also chose to keep Messier in the Derby. So he's on Messier uh, in the Derby. And obviously, Mike Smith's on Tabor. Now, we know how talented Tabor is. We mentioned him and that he looked short. And clearly, to come up on two races and your first one wasn't until March – is very difficult, almost impossible to do. We know that, to build a foundation for the Derby. What about Messier's chances? I think Messier has a chance to really move forward in this race. He had to work really hard in the Santa Anita Derby, running head-to-head at times with Forbidden Kingdom, who's a really fast horse, a really high-quality seven-furlong mile horse. Taylor was able to sit right off of him. And it really enjoyed a perfect trip in a small field with no traffic. Messier did all the dirty work. Messier 
also was coming off a 60-day break. That was a race, the Santa Derby, which clearly was a bridge race for the Kentucky Derby. I'm sure they wanted to win it. It was a grade one, a lot of money involved, but it was a means to, to an end. These horses, these derby horses run less and less every single year. Messier had plenty of foundation as a two-year-old and an early three-year-old. I think the plan was we just can't run this horse too many times. So he has every right to move forward. His biggest issue to me is the post position in a race that has a lot of speed, a lot of speed by the standards of the modern derby, and a lot of horses who are secondary speeds who are going to be, you know, moving at the yes, tire. Yes, a lot of stalkers, a lot of speed. Up. Yes, they're going to be a quick pace in this derby. There's no question. Right, and Messier being inside most of those other horses, he's going to be in a really, really tricky spot. He's going to have to either use uh, maybe earlier than uh, the last quest would like to use or take back further than maybe this horse has proven he's comfortable doing. But uh, he's a horse who I don't think is going to win, but I think he is an exotics use. Uh, I, I am happy to see Upstart become a good sire here. Uh, both uh, He's got horses uh, on in both big races. Nest is an Upstart. There's upstarts in this race. Upstart is a horse that I tried to buy at eight months old from Mrs. Nielsen. She said, I'm going to sell him in the sale in Saratoga. I got outbid by Mr. Evans. The horse was sick and went to the Derby and didn't really prove himself that day. I've always loved the horse. I've known him since he was six months old. Um, They loved him. The girl who trained him there told me it was the best horse she ever had on the farm. The horse has become a good sire. He was a million-dollar horse, although he was unlucky in his big races. He was usually sick. Uh, but now he's become a very – we know what Gunrun has become. Upstart's become a very solid sire here. The reason I bring him up is he's got some horses in here to watch, and I think, although not the most talented horse, this race might set up very well for the trainer and the, and the characteristics of Zandone. I, I agree with you. I think he's the horse to beat. Uh, it's really tough for me to get a feel for who the likeliest winners in this race are. I, I, I know the pool of likeliest winners. I just have a hard time separating them. But if I had to, I think I would say Zandon by a hair is the likeliest winner. And you make the point about the trainer. Uh, Chad Brown uh, is absolutely brilliant not only in his horsemanship in general, but in the way he manages and thinks his camp, thinks out the campaigns of his horses. Uh, Zandon did not rush into the truly top-tier two-year-old races last year, but he did try a mile and eighth in only his second lifetime start, stretching out from six furlongs, uh, because Brown wanted to really find out if the son of upstart who was probably better at a mile than he was at other distances had scope to really be on the triple crown trail. And he found out that Sandon did have that scope because he ran against the more experienced Mo Donegal, had a tougher trip than Mo Donegal, and battled that one all the way to the wire while far clear of the rest of the field and earning a very strong speed figure for a two-year-old going nine furlongs. This year, Brown used the Risen Star as a bridge race the horse, I'm sure, was not fully cranked. He ran excellently, running against 
a bias against pace flow wide in the race when making the middle move and then sustaining a steady rally through the stretch. He moved forward last time, big time in the bluegrass, which is one of Brown's favorite, uh, probably is Brown's favorite triple crown prep race. Uh, he's used it uh, brilliantly in the past. Zandon did not run against the strongest field there, and he did benefit from a bias that day. But he showed when he did get clear, he had some traffic issues, and he showed really nice gears and athleticism negotiating that traffic. And that's always a positive for a horse getting ready for a 20-horse field in the Derby, especially a horse that's come from behind. Agreed. And, and, showed- and Brown is great at getting horses to close, let's be honest. I mean, his, his horses always pack a punch. His natural closers, and this horse is a natural closer, always pack a punch. They always have it uh, for the last furlong. Now, obviously, that's a big part of his style with all the turf uh, champions he has, uh, and that's a different kind of racing. But still, he is a guy you can count on to have his horse, just like you can count on McGahee to pack a wallop with a horse that naturally wants to run in the final stages. Same thing with Chad Brown. His horses are going to pack a wallop down the stretch. And what a wallop it was in the bluegrass because the acceleration was really sharp. It was always there. It happened multiple times in the race when he was really laying it down with the last long, hard run. It was powerful. It was sustained. It was dominant. Uh, this horse really, really looked like a good horse with how powerful he finished. Even though so many dynamics were in his favor and the field wasn't strong, he still had the right look to him. Uh, do you think talent-wise he's a cut below the other top horses, or do you think he ranks with the other top horses? He's not as talented as Tabor, but I think his talent is right there with everybody else. He's just a different kind of horse. He, he's, 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 he's not the brilliant speedster that some of the others in here, in, in here are, but he's a horse who just has that great acceleration that Brown, through his mastery, I think is probably – Maybe in another trainer's hands, Zandon would have a great eighth of a mile. In Brown's hands, he has a great three-sixteenths of a mile, and he has a gear he can use to get clear of traffic. And the only race, folks, the only race that having a natural speed and an ability that athleticism is an advantage in every race these horses will ever run in except the Derby because the Derby is overcrowded. And the Derby is forced speed, it is forced stalking moves, and it is forced action in the first six furlongs. And it does not play to a horse's advantage unless he's in a race without a lot of speed. This race, as we mentioned, has a lot of speed, which will open it up for a lot of horses like Zandon. Now, the other horse, I'm going to give you two, and then we'll go through the field. But Epicenter is going to be the other favorite. Zandon's going to get a lot of money. Epicenter's going to get a lot of money. Epicenter could actually be the favorite. Who knows? It's a very balanced field. How about Epicenter? Epicenter is one of the favorites who I'm going to take a stand against on most of my tickets. It will be a defensive use in some exotics, but I'm going to play this not wanting epicenter to be there. Now, this horse has improved with every start. His best two speed figures have come in his two longest races. Those are positives. His workouts at Churchill are getting better. Uh, Steve Aspison, his trainer, who's 
trying finally to get that derby. He will eventually. I just don't think it'll be with Epicenter. Uh, loves the timing of the races that Epicenter has used on the fairgrounds trail to the derby. Uh, Epicenter had more rest for the Louisiana Derby than he did for the Risen Star, his race before that. And now he has more rest still while building up for the Derby. That's a very subtle but positive thing with how these modern trainers train and develop their horses. Uh, Epicenter, though, even though that Risen Star race featured a lot of horses who came back to run well in races and win races, uh, it was a race that Epicenter had everything his own way. He had a bias. He had a very soft pace. Uh, horses like Smile Happy and Zandit were coming off layoffs and really were pointing for other game in the future. They wanted to run well in that race, but it wasn't the end all for them. And they were ridden accordingly in that race. Uh, Epicenter when he won the Louisiana Derby, that was what I thought was a very, very weak field for the level. He again benefited from all the dynamics. He showed that he could rate, and that's a positive for him that he could sit a little bit. But watch that race when they're turning into the stretch. It looked like a training race uh, at Steve Asmussen's training center because Epicenter reeled outside. The front runners weren't any good. He was easily going to run them down. Nobody was moving from behind. Uh, he drifted maybe a path or two more than he had to coming into the stretch. It was, it, it was essentially like a workout that he was getting paid for. Now, he was good enough to make it a workout, but the derby is going to be longer. There's going to be more horses. Uh, the pace is going to be stronger. So even sitting a little bit off of it, he's going to be stung more. I'm not sold on his sire, not this time, as a progenitor of a mile and a quarter horses. Not this time was a very good two-year-old, did not train on a three. Uh, I really want to see his horses run longer. And the final thing that makes me say epicenter, not on a lot of my tickets, is his post position. I hate the three for him. Yeah, inside posts are going to hurt, no question. And let's start there. Mo Donegal won the uh, Wood Memorial. My good buddy, Mike Rapoli, has bought into the horse. It's a Pletcher horse. He trains his horses. Uh, so it's Donegal Racing. But now Mike Rapoli, uh, who is one of the premier horsemen in the country, has bought in uh, and is part ownership of this group now. Uh, and this horse, solid knocker. Nothing not to like uh, except the post is a killer. And I think he just might be a cut below. He could be a cut below. At a mile and an eighth or a mile and a sixteenth, I think the equalizer for him is going to be a mile and a quarter. He's a true stayer. He's improved with every race. He's also physically developed. How about the post? Uh, this horse, as a deep closer, I don't think it's going to bother him nearly as much as it would a speed horse. The other factor, the new starting gate has made the one post a lot more tenable than it used to be. There's more room there than there was in the past. Next week. All the speed in this race, I think this field is going to be much more spread out early than it has been in recent years. Ever since they changed the point system and got rid of the cheap two-year-old speed, these fields have been closely packed, relatively speaking, early on. So a lot of times the horses on the inside were wanting to ease back steadily, 
but instead got pinched back by all the jostling with the horses outside of them. I think that this field is going to be spread out naturally enough early on that a horse like a Mo Donegal has a shot to not get pinched badly, has a shot to have a comfortable trip without a whole lot of uh, traffic and jostling going on. Uh, this horse has had gate issues in the past, but the best he ever broke was when Gerard Ortiz was on board him and he broke from the one post in the Remsen. And I'm hoping that if he can break that way in the Derby, he can, instead of being 20th and having checked and been jostled to drop back to that point, that instead he's 14th or 15th and has been able to get that position in a very comfortable way. And if he does, I think this horse will be the strongest sustained finisher in a fast-paced race. Uh, okay, so you think he has a good chance, all right? So I think he, I think he has a terrific chance, and he's not he's not going to be one of the favorites. All right, let's run him down. Give me a quick thought, or a little more, depending on the horse's uh, chances on Saturday. Happy Jack. I love the old school uh, mile workout in preparation for this, but that's all I love. He uh, has no chance at at all. Summer is tomorrow. So. <laughs> This horse is one of the speeds in here that's going to make this race different from the recent derbies we've seen. He stretched out for the first time last time in the UAE Derby. Uh, I don't know what he was facing in that race uh, other than the winner of the race, who I know is a good horse. Uh, but he was very, very tired at the end of it. Uh, he's a need-to-lead type. He might have a chance to move forward. Uh, he's not good enough to win. He's not good enough to be on the board, but he is good enough to make things uncomfortable for the other speeds. And the way I'm looking at the race, that's what I'm hoping for. Anybody who follows racing even a little knows the name Run Happy. They know how the horse has been marketed. This is one of his uh, offspring, Smile Happy. This horse is one who I tried not to like, but... I like him underneath now upon second review much more than I did when I first looked at the what race. What kind of sire do you think Run Happy is at a classic distance? I think a mile and a quarter will be too far for him. Right. Uh, but his offspring are surprisingly capable at middle distance two turns. Even though he made his name as a sprinter, his young horses are actually better going long than they are going short. Because he went through a lot of good mares, too. That's why, probably. You know, he, he, went, he got a lot of good mares. Yes, he did get good mares. But in general, the offspring have, have good frames and good strides. Uh, Smile Happy, second off a layoff in the bluegrass last time, was coming off a 49-day break. I like him being even more fit here, coming back more quickly with only 28 days. I like him closer to the pace like he was in the bluegrass as opposed to where he was in the risen star. I don't like the way he wiggles a little bit in the stretch when he gets tired. I don't like the way he is a little washy in training and before his races, but his best two turn effort, I think came at Churchill Downs where he's going to run in the Derby, obviously. And Corey Lannery, his jockey, everyone knows about Calvin Burrell and coming up the rail at Churchill. Well, the modern incarnation of Burrell, is Corey Lannery, who has taken that and run with it himself and is great coming up the inside of Churchill. I think he knows for Smile Happy to compete. He's going to have to save every bit of ground that he can. 
Lannery is a master of doing that at Churchill. There's going to be a fast-paced smile happy. He's not going to be as far back as some of the other closers. I can see him making a big middle move and having a shot in heck to hang on for third or fourth at okay. a price. So he's a factor in the exactors and in the uh, superfectors. So we'll see what goes on with him. Uh, the Japanese crown pride. I think this horse is the absolute wild card. His connections are top shelf. His pedigree, though extremely Japanese-oriented, has tons of legitimate class and deep, deep stamina in it. His work schedule has been old-school monstrous at Churchill. He works seemingly every other day. And he worked very well at Churchill, too. And he does it in Alan Jerkins-like fashion. That is, there'll be slow splits within a work, but then there'll be a really fast internal split or finishing split. It's a, a great way of sharpening horses mentally and physically and being sure that they're there for you when you need them to be during the course of a race. Uh, this horse's training is old school American, believe it or not. His pedigree is new school, stamina oriented Japanese. And the Japanese have had a tremendous last few months in horse racing. They won two Breeders' Cup races. They won a whole bunch of races on the big card in Saudi Arabia. They won a whole bunch of races in Dubai. They're on a roll, and it's a legitimate role because their breeding industry has gotten better and better. The horsemen are top-notch, and they're learning more and more about how to play the international game. Uh, the toughest thing that Crown Pride is going to have to overcome is the double ship from Japan to Dubai and then from Dubai the United States. That can be really wearing on a horse. But I think this horse has real quality. Uh, he did not change leads in Dubai. He did change leads in his earlier races. I think that was just a function of how that race developed. I didn't like that he was so wide in that race. It seemed like maybe his connections felt that the kickback would bother him. That could certainly be an issue against 19 other horses. But he's a wild card. He's going to be a big price. He's trending up a storm. He's going to get the distance. May not quite class up, but he's going to get the distance. I'm using him, and he might even be his favorite win candidate for me if the odds are big enough. These connections beat us with uh, with Casa Creed in in, uh, in the Middle East. We finished second in that million-dollar race. They beat us. Uh, so uh, they ran great, as a matter of fact. They won two races that day and beat us in, in what was, a, as you know, a great race. Casa Creed ran a great mm-hmm. race and, and just beat us on the wire. Absolutely. And uh, these, the, 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 the Japanese connections who run at this level, it's truly like old school American breeders. It's like Paul Mellon. I don't think that these guys really even are concerned about turning a profit, very much unlike a lot of the big American uh, interests these days. Uh, the Japanese do it because they want to breed a really top level horse. They want to win really top-level races. They want to do it in an absolutely top-class fashion. Uh, I don't think they necessarily care whether they make money or not make money. But the fact is, because they do it that way, they're really thinking big-picture, long-term, developing top talent, and they're proving it with what they've done in the last few months. All right, you're listening to the Mike Francesa podcast, Kentucky Derby preview with uh, the one and only Brad Thomas. We have a couple more horses to go through before we tell you how we expect it to unfold. Um, one of the Pletcher horses, son of Tappet, charge it. 
this horse, I think, has a, a shot in heck. Very inexperienced. That's the knock. He's paired up good figures. I think he's ready to move forward. He's training well. I thought the Florida Derby was a great learning experience. He hit the gate coming out. That threw him off his game, but it was a good thing because it allowed him to rate, really, for the first time in his career. He'd always been on the rail in his first two starts. Uh, he was on the rail early in the Florida Derby, and the rail was dull that day, so he took a little bit of a hindrance in that regard. Uh, when he did come off the rail to try to challenge the second turn, it looked like he lost focus for a little bit. He'd always been on the rail. He never had horses in front of him, uh, whether it was the kickback, whether it was just uh, not being entirely familiar with his position. He, he, he kind of stopped. But then when Saez asked him, he stepped it up, he picked it up immediately. I was really impressed at how he got right back into gear on the second turn when Saez really gave him a reminder to, to, to get going. Uh, he attacked immediately. Then in the stretch, uh, he was bothered a little bit. He lugged in himself. He raced greenly in general. He switched back to his wrong lead, but he still gamely kept coming against the more experienced rival who had had a perfect trip. And I love the way Charger galloped out in that race. He galloped out like he was looking for more. He's bred to be okay going a mile and a quarter. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be able to rate effectively if he gets out of the gate okay among a cluster of horses where he's going to be in the Derby because of his draw. But this horse has ability. Uh, he's a sneaky win candidate to me, probably more as a saver than anything else. I'm certainly going to use him in exotics. Uh, my gut tells me he's not going to be the winner, but he can run well. This is a dangerous horse. He's training well. He's only run three times. The Florida Derby had a million excuses, including hitting the gate. Uh, he's trained by Pletcher. Saez is a great jockey. We use him a lot. I think he's as talented as the Ortizes. I think he's that. I think you have the two Ortizes. You have Saez. You have Rosario. Uh, any one of those guys. Saez is a, a a tremendously talented, confident jockey. Um, this horse is a. He's only run three times, but I mean, you gotta like everything about him. He's a tappet. I mean, this is a dangerous horse. I don't think I, I agree with you. I, th that horse would not surprise me in the least. He really wouldn't. All right, tis the bomb. No, he beat a bad field, and he took absolutely no kickback in the uh, one dirt race that he won. Mike, uh, I think he's a really good turf horse. Uh, the original plan was to send him to uh, England to run uh, over there. Uh, but because he won a derby prep race, albeit on synthetic, uh, his hand was kind of forced here. So uh, I'm hoping he comes out in one piece and gets back to his uh, preferred surface later in the year because he's a good horse on the grass. Pioneer of Medina, another Pletcher horse. He's improving speed figure-wise, but he's not finishing well as the distances get longer, and he's really proving himself a notch below the top horses that he's facing. Uh, he's going to have to be close to a faster pace here than he's been competing against at the fairgrounds. The fractions are going to be much sharper. I just don't see him finishing well in a fast pace race at 10 furlongs. All right. Simplification. Uh, a lot of people have liked this horse. Uh, we ran against him that day in the fountain of youth. He won it when we fell. Um, a lot of people thought it was us and him that day. Uh, the Florida Derby, he came back and ran third. Uh, the horses had plenty of races. How about simplification? I don't like him, Mike. Uh, he disputed a, a fast pace in the Florida Derby last time, did wind up on the door rail on the stretch. 
but I don't like the way he finished. Uh, yes, he's probably better coming from off the pace, which is what he did in the Fountain of Youth, but two of the best horses in that race fell. With them not being around at the finish, that was actually a weak field. It was. And, 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 you know, and it was a weirdly run race. I didn't like that. I didn't like that race as a race. Uh, well, so we wound I'm up and we wound up nine hundred wide, and 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 we were, you know, we were ready to make our move, and we were like a million wide the whole race. There were horses were all over the place the entire race. Right, and, and he got a pretty good trip uh, within that. Uh, three back in the Holy Ball at a mile the sixteenth. Mo Donegal in that race completely was incapable of taking the tight second turn at Gulfstream and quickening at a short distance for him of a mile on the 16th. And Mo Donegal just basically dropped out of the race on the second turn. And then he finished well on the stretch, essentially on his own. But even with all of that, was rapidly gaining on simplification and only was beaten by him for second by a head. That, to me gives me all I need. The other factors we spoke about, about where simplification matches up class-wise with the best of this crop and how he's going to do going longer at a mile a quarter. Barber Road. He's game. He's consistent. I'd love to own him and run him in the Ohio Derby and the Iowa Derby and uh, the Oklahoma Derby, but uh, he has no chance in the Kentucky Derby. White Abario. He's paired up... uh, Improved figures for Safi Joseph, one of the rising superstars in the training game. Uh, quite a barrio. He's super versatile. He disputed the pace in the Holy Bowl, drew away. He set off the pace wide on the best part of the track in the, in the uh, Florida Derby and was able to sustain a run and hold off charge it. Uh, that versatility will stand him in good stead as his career develops. He has Churchill experience. He ran really well in the uh, Kentucky Jockey Club last November as a young horse. He had some trip issues in that race, showed fight and fire. He kept on fighting when a lot of other horses would have dropped back to nowhere. Uh, The big problem for him is we talked about some horses who are going to have issues sitting on the inside. Well, I think horses too far on the outside are going to have issues too because there's so many of these horses that like to be near the pace, and the pace is going to be live. So the horses inside are going to be pinched. The horses on the outside are going to be losing a lot of ground. And if they don't want to lose ground, they're going to have to be moving wildly prematurely into fast paces. And I think while the barrio could suffer the same fate, at the same time, while I think he's a good horse, he's one of the horses I think might be a half cup below the really top horses. He really needs to make a a strong forward move, I think, to compete with the best. And I think his post is going to hurt him in that regard. He will be an exotics use for me, though I don't believe he can win. We're previewing the Derby with Brad Thomas on the Mike Francesa podcast. Now we're going to get into the Brad Cox portion of the program since he has three horses coming right up one after another. Cyberknife, gun runner who is becoming a Prodigious sire, um, Arkansas Derby winner. How about Cyberknife? He's very, very talented. He's a horse. He belongs in that top tier uh, talent-wise. 
but he's still incredibly green. He's green pre-race. He threw a fit before the Arkansas Derby. He's green in his races. He loses focus. He's a little bit goofy with the way he carries his head and, and moves at times. Uh, when he won the Arkansas Derby, he beat a very, very soft field. And even in that race, he was pulley on the back stretch. They were going fast. He still didn't necessarily relax well. Uh, he made a premature move in that race. Uh, it was only because of the softness of the field and his own talent that he was able to sustain that move and draw away and be decisive in victory. He's trained well at Churchill Downs. He's continued to move forward physically, perhaps mentally too. Uh, he's a, another one of those wild cards for me. I do think he's hurt by wanting to be in the early pace mix uh, and having to break from the far outside. I think that absolutely ensures wideness for him. And the pulliness he showed on the back stretch in the Arkansas Derby, that to me does not bode well for how he's able to nurture his reserves in a race like this. I can see him being hung wide, getting a little ranked, making a very premature move into a fast pace, maybe even like being one of those horses you say, wow, what a move. But I just don't see him being able to, to last a mile and a quarter uh, under these circumstances, uh, given where he is professionally uh, now. But I do respect his ability. I'm going to use him underneath in exotics, but I don't think he's mentally there enough to be able to win. Classic Causeway. He beat Softfield to Tampa Bay. Uh, had no pace competition in the Tampa Bay Derby. Still did not earn strong pace figures. He did duel on the doorway on the Florida Derby. Wasn't supposed to run in the Kentucky Derby uh, as a result of his fade job in that race. Uh, and he's really never given the impression of being a mile and a quarter horse. Uh, his owners are not spring chickens. Uh, so it was a abrupt turnaround about a week ago. Uh, now he's running in the Derby. Uh, now uh, there's the story that perhaps he had a breathing issue in the Florida Derby, and that's why he faded so badly. Uh, he's adding a noseband, which uh, is intended to keep his mouth shut to prevent stuff from going on that might impair his breathing. He's adding a tongue tie, which I think might be more significant. That keeps the tongue from moving and possibly prevents things from things from going on in the mouth as well and preventing him from blocking his breathing uh, tube. Uh, but it really doesn't matter. This horse is not going to get him on the quarter. Uh, he's not fast enough in general to win against the field of this quality, but he does help ensure that there's a live pace. In the recent derbies that we've seen with the new point system, the paces have been controlled. Uh, Baffert horses frequently have been able to dominate them without having to go all that fast, without getting all that much pace competition. Now we have two horses in this race in Classic Causeway and Summers tomorrow who have basically no chance but want to be on the lead, have real speed. They're going to go, and they're going to help everybody else who comes from well out of it. Tawny Port, this is the second Cox horse, just won the Lexington, not in fast time, uh, closer, uh, again, a well-bred pioneer of the Nile, but again, looks to me to be a cut below. This horse is a grinder. Uh, he's improving, but not all that quickly. He had a bias in his favor in the Lexington. The outside was absolutely where you wanted to be. He rushed into that race in a desperate final attempt to make the derby, which he did. 
Now he returns quickly again. I don't see immediate upside in him, but I do see him as a type of horse that can win a six-horse mile and a quarter uh, Santa Anita handicap in two years. He's that type of horse. He's a grinder. Distance will be his friend. He might get better with age. Uh, small fields that he can grind down, that should suit him, not a 20-horse derby. And Zozos, the third Brad Cox horse, Zozos. Really good horse. He's improving, very talented. He gets plenty of rest again for his second stake start. Uh, be always vigilant watching that these horses, developing horses for these top trainers, have the ideal rest patterns. This horse got plenty of rest to build up for his first stakes try in the Louisiana Derby and now has plenty of rest again building up for the Kentucky Derby. He is going to have to deal in the Louisiana Derby. He had to deal with uh, much higher quality pace pressure than he did in his allowance win, and he had to do it while running an eighth of a mile longer. Those are two tough hurdles, especially in combination with each other, and he ran very gamely behind the much more experienced and perfectly set up epicenter. Now, epicenter was under a hold in the final strides of that race. He could have won by more. But I still like the way Zozos dug in, kept fighting, and kept trying. This horse has class. What really kills him, though, is the outside draw and his pacey style. Uh, I just do not see a path to the winner's circle for him. Uh, I think it's an awful lot to ask a horse of his style in a field this size from that draw. And if you want to talk about sentimentality, last but uh, certainly not least, not a horse that's going to win this race, but Ethereal Road trained by the ageless, and I do say ageless, and I know this man very, very well, Wayne Lucas training Ethereal Road, and he has gotten the horse to the derby. He has indeed. Soft figures, this horse would probably be a beaten favorite in an average other than allowance. Nobody else in the world could get that horse to the Derby. I'm sorry. I don't know how he does that. He somehow can get enough points in these races to get these horses to go forward that have absolutely no chance. Yep. Well, he, he was lucky in that he, uh, the, the, the crop in Arkansas this year was very, very soft and he was able to earn his points in, a relatively weak race there. Uh, but I guess the poetic justice is that he draws the 20 post. Yep. And amazing. The ageless Wayne Lucas will grace the field and I'm sure will be very much a sentimental favorite. There are two horses who are also eligible. Remember, you get in on a point system. This year, the point system was far easier than in past years. Why? The Baffert points did not count. Okay, now two of the Baffert horses got here anyway. They shifted trainers. They went to different connections. But other Baffert horses are not here because if you won points along the way, the Baffert points did not count towards the Derby. So those points were thrown out, and he did win a couple of hundred points. They, they didn't count, so you could get in with far fewer points. Horses like Tony Point or Ethereal Road and a couple others would never have gotten in the last couple of years. They're in this year. Uh, usually you got to be first or second in one of the preps to get in. They didn't have to, uh, uh, although Ethereal Road did finish second in the Rebel, as Brad said, because it came up weak in Arkansas. And 
I think the Baffert won the Rebel and didn't count, uh, as a matter of fact. So um, you have Rattle and Roll and Rich Strike. We'll see if they get in. They're the two also eligibles. Now let's go to what you think. Um, we, Brad, we don't have our classic guy who has been so good to us through the years. There have been at least three to four different occasions when Dallas Stewart has hit the board, second or third, usually second, with monster 80, 70, 60 to one horses and made our races. He did it with Orb. He did it on, he did it on other occasions. He has been amazing at that. He's not in the race this year. So uh, we'll have to look elsewhere for the bomb that makes it. Um, the year I'm talking about with Orb, Brad gave you a $402 exacta cold and a uh, triple and a superfector that paid the superfector paid 33,000. The triple was like 13,000. Uh, so he has uh, done very well. So listen up and all right. So what do you think? As I said before, Zandon is the likeliest winner. I will be using him in all exotics. I think Mo Donegal might be the best risk reward horse. though. a horse with a great chance of winning at the distance with the pace and very, very good odds. I, We'll have a lot of tickets where I'm double keying them. I'm going to play strong exactas with the both of them. I'm going to be playing strong tries and uh, super factors using them in one of the two slots. Okay, so you're going to be now, using Zandon and Mo Donegal in the first and second slots. Who who else will you be and using? And running them all underneath? around too. I'll I'll have them in the third and fourth slots okay. with other horses. Just and, just and, for and, higher and, and how many horses you going slot. deep? Crown Pride, Charge It. Smile Happy, White Barrio, those are my key other uses. Crown Pride. also have Crown Pride, Charge It, Smile Happy, White Barrio. Okay. And then deeper underneath, less so, because if you, if you key two horses, you have plenty of room to maneuver. I will also have tickets defensively with Epicenter, Messier, Tabor, and Cyberknife. Because Did, will you be surprised if Tabor is... Impressive in this race. Yes, I will be. But I respect his talent, so I'm not going to get obliterated if he happens to be Would there. you expect Messier or Tabor to run better? Messier better. Okay. Okay. And and you think the most likely winner is Andon? By a hair, yes. And you think Mogadonigal's going to, despite the post, is going to have less trouble there than in past years on the inside and have a very good chance to be a, a forward factor. I, I, I do not, not necessarily a forward factor, but not a dead last factor. What I don't want, especially is I don't want him checking or taking up and being knocked into the rail and winding up last. I want him to drop back naturally and be 15th. If he is 15th early comfortably without having experienced trouble, I am very, very confident that he's going to finish very, very strong. Like if something happens early on, like sometimes happens in the Derby, I'll know I'm dead immediately. If you could own one of these horses for the rest of this year and next year, which one would you pick? Well, that's a great question. Uh, let me think about that a little bit. Uh, it would have to be Tabor. It would have to be Tabor. Uh, I would probably scratch him from the Derby. Uh, but, uh, you would but, wait uh, on him. You, you would yeah. wait on him as far as the races. Two races is very tough. I mean, his first race in March was a, was a six furlong uh, maiden special weight. And then off that, you're coming back and then only one big race. Now, 
you know, I've seen horses run once or twice as as a two-year-old and then, you know, start their three-year-old campaign. But to not run as a two-year-old and then come back and not run till March and only have one race under your belt. I mean, um, his first race, uh, you know, was March 5th. They, he goes 109. And then he turns around and he wins at, at a with a 102 rating. Uh, 102 buyer, he wins that race by two race two lengths over Messier, two races in his career, uh, only one at a distance. Uh, that is an incredible way to go into the Derby. It, the Santa Anita Derby was astonishing. Uh, it would for a horse to be able to do that. I mean, he 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 got the trip, he got everything else, but the odds and the jockey choice tells you what even the connections were expecting the result to be. Uh, you know, they knew Messier was going to be hooked with uh, the Mandela horse. They knew Tabo was going to be sitting off of him. They still, I'm sure, thought that Messier was going to prove superior on the day. The fact that Tabo was dominant in victory. And, I mean, this, the way this horse kicked in in the last eighth of a mile, even considering the trip, that was absolutely special. And go back, I mean, uh, easy goer, I mean, uh, go back to the old film of easy goer and compare the way these horses move. Tape is not as big, but they are alike in their physiques in general, and with their strong, powerful shoulder action, they're very alike in how they move. I was very much reminded of Easy Go, the way he would drop his shoulder when he really kicked in the gear in the last eighth of a mile. That's what Tabor did at Santa Anita. And, and Charge It must have just wowed them, because that's not the way they bring horses to the Derby. They did not run him as a two-year-old. He ran twice. He didn't win his first race as a maiden. He came back and won his second race impressively in a maiden special way to Gulfstream by a, uh, at a mile by eight lengths. Then he comes back in the Florida Derby, finishes second. One classic prep into the Derby, only three races into the Derby. Son of Tappet, trained by Baffett, you know, the whole thing, Saez, impressive training. Well, they must think that horse has a, a, a lot of talent to be bringing him along that quickly. And a lot of upside considering the trouble he had in the Florida Derby, considering him switching back to the wrong lead. But the gallop out was really, really strong with all that going on. He still galloped out like he wanted more to do. And you were very, very apt in uh, your point about uh, these connections running so aggressively into the Derby. Charge it is a homebred. He's uh, bred by Whisper Hill Farm, Amanda Pope. She's very, very conservative in general, cares very much about her horses, takes care of them beautifully. Uh, the fact that Charger is going into this is a clear indication that everybody is on board, that this is a horse who not only is talented enough to compete, but is ready. Right, that he earned his right to compete. Best. He earned his right yeah. to compete with his ability, and they, they think he's earned it because they would have no problem waiting, no problem no. in the least no. waiting no. on their horse. Uh, they do things the right way. So that, that tells There's you no a lot about that. There's no $3 million price tag they need to justify. Absolutely. They, they, they don't have to. Right. Well, thanks very much, Brad. As always, I'm telling you, people are thrilled to have you do this, so I'm glad we can do it, and uh, I'll talk to you soon. Thrilled to be back with old friends like you, Mike, and Brian Monzo. Thank you very much. All right, Brad Thomas, there you go. Uh, Zandon, Modonigal. His big one, too, and then Crown Pride, charge it, 
White Barrio, and Smile Happy. Now, what Brad does is he plays the one-two and then play. So the way you're looking to do this, folks, listen, you can make dollar bets. You can make 20-cent bets. You can make 50-cent bets. So it's not like you have to bet a fortune here to win. The exacta is not, you know, for, look, your payoff gets bigger as you go along. So if you're not a big, if you don't understand it, how it works, I'll give you just the idea, okay, for a second. You get your win bet. The horse is going to be, say, anywhere from 4 to 1 to 12 to 1 to 20 to 1. That, so a $2 win bet would yield you two times the price of the horse. So a $12 winner, you get $26 back. You get your 12 to 1 and $2, that's 24, plus 2 is 26. You have an exacta. The exacta is first and second. You're getting back, you'll get a good price for that. So in a derby, you'll get back most of the time anywhere from a favorite exacta would be in the 60s to 70 range to 150 or so because the payoffs in the 20-horse field are, are much bigger and everybody gets used in the derby. Then you have your your triple. So now you start to use your dollar bets or even less if you want. And what you do is you play two horses. You key your two main horses in both all, in all three spots. One, two, three. One, two, three. They're in every slot. And then you use three or four horses in the other slots. Fill them in. Same thing with four horses, which is a super vector. Then they have a pick five if you want to go that far down the line. And those Payoffs can be for one dollar, thirty thousand, forty thousand dollars, easy on those kind of pick fours and pick fives in these races. So you can wager a lot more horses, especially if you use under a dollar wages, and you can wager for as much as twenty cents or ten cents, which gets you one tenth of a dollar payoff. The payoffs will usually be listed as in $1 denominations. You can get one-tenth of it, one-twenty of it, one-fifth of it, one-quarter of it, one-half of it, or the whole thing if you want to bet dollar bets. Or you can make $2 bets. Or you can make more if you wish. The point is you can use a lot of horses in this race, and that's the way to spread it out because the payoffs are dramatic in this kind of race. And, you know, very few horses will be under 10 to 1. The third or fourth choice will be 10 to 1. Third choice will probably be somewhere between 6 and 8 to 1. Fourth choice will probably be close to 10 to 1. There'll be two horses that will be underneath that. The favorite in this race will probably be somewhere around 5 to 2 or 2 to 1. It's a pretty open race. I would think that um, uh, Zandon and uh, Epicenter would be the favorites, probably somewhere around 2 to 1, 5 to 2 in this race, right around there. And there'll be a bunch of horses that'll be inside of, say, 15 to 1, maybe five or six horses that will be somewhere inside that. Then you'll get to your big long shots after that. So Brad gave you Zandon, Modonigal, Charge It, Crown Pride, White Abario, and Smile Happy as your horses you want to mix and match. Enjoy the race. We'll see you soon. Thanks for listening to the Mike Francesa podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Hey, it's Mike Miss here. What a time to be a Philly sports fan, and you can share the excitement with me each week. 
on the Mike Missanelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Listen and subscribe to the Mike Missanelli podcast today, wherever you get your podcasts.